everyone. Welcome to Young Adulting Podcast. I'm Becca Freeman. And I'm Grace Atwood. And we're back with episode seven. So today we are answering all of your advice. We have not been drinking, so we're going to be a lot more serious than usual. But um, we have a lot to tell you. Yeah, it's been really exciting. People have actually been emailing us with really great questions, and I really like getting everyone's emails. And your questions are really smart and thought-provoking, so thanks for that. Also, it's been really cool. So on our episode two weeks ago, we were talking about the stigma of reading bad books and how, you know, I was saying I, th- I think that our readers are generally really smart people and they use this as a break. And so many people have come out of the woodwork to tell us that they're lawyers or, you know, have like these really cool high powered jobs and like are using this as relaxation. And I don't know. I thought that was really cool. I thought it was interesting how many people responded to that point in particular that, you know, they are also listening to Pod Save America and other, you know, smarter forms of media, but also us. Yes. So we're very honored. Yeah. Thank you. We are. Um, before we get into it, should we talk about our highs and lows? Yes, let's do it. Becca, what was your high? So my high and my low are the same thing. So I quit my job. Because the podcast is so successful that she's going to podcast full time. No, that's not it at all. But actually... (laughs) We don't make money from this. No. We've made $6, which is, um slightly less than what we've spent on snacks to fuel the making of this podcast. However, the week that I told my team that I was leaving, um, was the first week that our podcast came out. So I have gotten a lot of ribbing that everyone's, everyone's been like, so you make one episode of a podcast and then you're leaving. Um, (laughs) but it is both my high and my low. I have been at Lola for three years, and it has hands down been the best job I've ever had. Uh, It's been so exciting to build something from scratch. I joined before we even launched the company, but I am also exhausted and feeling, just feeling not stuck is the right word, but uncreative and just that it's time for the next thing. So I am taking off the month of June and Grace and I are going on a big trip. We're planning a trip to Asia. Yes. I'm not going for a whole month, but I'm going for like 10 days and I cannot wait. And I think I'm going to go for three weeks and do some alone travel. Uh, And I'm also going to be so lazy and sleep in and work out a ton and reset. Um, And then I'm thinking about taking on some some freelance work and working for myself for a while. So it's very scary. It's very exciting. I have a lot of emotions about it, but it's happening. I'm so excited for you. It's going to be amazing. I know. Grace has been my cheerleader through this whole process. This is not something I know that I just kind of brought it up on the podcast out of the blue, but this is definitely, there's been a lot of hemming and hawing and discussions over wine and and whatnot to to kind of get to this point. Uh, And it's also a low. It's really sad. I uh, was talking to our friend Molly a couple of weeks ago, who was one of the uh, founders at Birchbox. And she has this article, which I'll I'll post in the show notes that she wrote on Medium when she was leaving about the how emotional it is to leave something you helped build. And I'm really feeling that too. It feels sad and scary to leave, especially the amazing people. So my high is my low this week. That makes sense. So my high, I have two highs. First of all, 
I got a keratin treatment. I got one last September and it is the best thing for my hair because number one, I can have my hair short um, because it doesn't get all weight. It doesn't turn into a hot mess. My natural hair texture is something kind of like pubic hair. So um, <laughs> that, that is- it, it's not good, guys. It's not good. So I, I get a lot of blowouts. True. I get a lot of blowouts, but now I get a keratin treatment. I go to Fakai. I am not going to talk about this for hours because I could. There's a very long post about keratin treatments on my blog if you search it. But um, it makes it so easy. I can air dry my hair. Like, Becca, my hair is air dried right now. And it looks really nice. I'm really it's jealous. It's like shiny. My hair has never been shiny. I've thought about getting a keratin treatment, but my hair is fine. And I think that if I got a keratin treatment, I would just look like I had just taken off like a winter hat at all times. Like I would just have like flat I don't think you should. I've seen people with fine hair get keratin treatments and it's too flat. No, I don't think I could do it. But I'm jealous that your hair just air dried and looked like that because my air dried hair is a hot mess. My naturally air dried hair is terrifying. So this is really good. Oh, we're going to go to Asia and it's going to be so hot and you have your keratin treatment. So you're going to have great air dry hair. And I'm going to be like Monica in that episode of Friends where she has an afro and she's in Jamaica. That's going to be me. It's going to be. I can't wait to see this. Oh my gosh. I'm going to be the unfortunate friend in all of the pictures. (laughs) Oh no. I have another high though. Um, So as we record this, I'm about to leave, but when this airs, I'll have already gone. I'm going to the Kentucky Derby with Vineyard Vines. That's so fun. Yeah, so going to the Derby has been, like, on my bucket list for years and years. And I've always wanted to go, like, get a group of friends together and go. But it's just one of those things that's never happened. And I don't know that all of my friends share the affinity for the Midwest that I have. I love Ohio. Like, I love Skyline Chili. I love I love it. And um, I had I've had... Three ex-boyfriends who all lived in Ohio, which is so weird as I never lived in Ohio. Is they, Kentucky, they're all from there. Is Kentucky, Kentucky right really next to like Ohio? Ohio? It's right next to it. I think it's going to be very similar. Okay. I have no idea. It could be totally different. But Do I you, cannot wait. And I have, a, I have a fascinator and a really cute dress. And it's going to be so much fun. That sounds great. I know people who've gone to the Derby, but they've done the infield, which is really drunk and like it sounds a, a rager. I think, I think this will be classy. Yeah, I think you're going to do it. Like and we're doing a bourbon tasting. Oh, that's cool. Would you guys be interested in learning more about bourbon? Because I kind of am. And I was thinking about for my blog doing a post on like whiskey or bourbon for women and like kind of like what the different kinds are and stuff. I like bourbon a lot. I like a if I drink a cocktail, I either will have a dirty martini or a Manhattan with bourbon. Oh, mm-hmm. see, I usually just drink vodka soda. I don't like vodka sodas that much. I mean, I'll drink them. They're fine, but I don't really like them. They taste like water to me. Yeah. 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 So my low is, is just a silly one. I cannot keep my apartment clean to save my life. Like the clutter just keeps building up and it's driving me insane. And I think I just need to do like a really, really big spring cleaning, but I haven't had time and like work has been really crazy. Life has been crazy. I've been traveling a ton and it's like the piles of mail and the piles of random things that need to be returned. And I just feel like I need an extra day in the week to just like clean. And also I need motivation because I have, when I finally do have downtime, I just want to like sit and watch The Handmaid's Tale and like be lazy. I hear that so hard. So since I'm leaving my job, I now have this back burner list of all of the things that I'm putting off to deal with until after I'm done, uh, which also isn't for a month. So 
is I have a while, yeah. but my apartment is totally one of those things. And I need to get a cleaning lady to come and help do a deep clean because I'm, I'm a lazy cleaner. So I don't like clutter, but there are certain cleaning tasks that I just don't like to do. And yeah. so having lived in my apartment for a while, they just don't get done. So like, I hate cleaning the stovetop, like really scrubbing it and getting oh, in there. Same. So I don't like, do that. So that doesn't get done. Cleaning baseboards. Who does that? What's a baseboard? You don't have baseboards in this apartment, but it's the part of the molding at the bottom of a wall and they get really dusty and dirty. Oh, okay. Yeah. There's no molding in this apartment. No. We're kind of ghetto. So I, my, I think that my baseboards need to be cleaned. I hate, I hate cleaning the bathtub. Like I think everything in my apartment could just use a really deep clean. Yeah. I feel the same way. Maybe that's what I'll do. I'll get a cleaning lady. I hate spending money on a cleaning lady because I just think it's a lot of money, but it really isn't in the scheme of other things we spend money on. That's true. That's yeah. true. If you find one you like, let me know in a month. I will, in one month. So I have a good deadline. I'll add that to the calendar. Good. So should we get into your questions? Yes, let's do questions. Okay, so our first one is pretty long, so buckle in. It's a long take saga. A, take a sip of water. We're going to give you all of the background. Yes. You ready? Okay. So this was an anonymous question, or the, the person asked to be anonymous, uh, that they sent us via email. And she said... I wanted to get your thoughts on when and how to break up with a friend. I find myself stuck in a friendship that has run its course. For what it's worth, I think this happens often, and I'm a firm believer that like any relationship, it's okay to let go of a friendship that no longer serves you. Part of the problem is that the relationship was built on a negative foundation. This friend and I met five years ago and bonded over being stuck in the same toxic workplace. While she was at one time very supportive of my ambitions and achievements, there is no longer any equality whatsoever in our friendship. I've become her de facto career counselor. Every conversation we have is about her, and it's obvious that she has zero investment in my life. I've recently put some distance between us, but I don't think it's particularly kind or mature to ghost people. What do you think? Should I have a sit down with her and lay my cards on the table? Email her the next time she sends me a Gchat rant about her job without so much as a hello. I really appreciate any advice you have. Ooh, so that's really hard. Um, Becca and I talked about this one before, and neither of us have ever broken up with a friend. I've broken, I've broken up with a friend in a dramatic way that I don't recommend. Like I've gotten in a huge fight with a friend and become not friends anymore in this was in my early 20s, so not recently, but I have never had a mature friend breakup where I've said, this no longer serves me. I've only ever hated someone and gone out in flames. <laughs> so no, I don't recommend that. My old roommate broke up with me for a little while, um, and then we got back together as friends. How did she break up with you? Um, <laughs> this is funny. I don't know if she's listening. We're, we're really close now, but... Um, she was mad at me. She was going through a hard time in her life. And um, I kind of was like the scapegoat and she s screamed at me. I still remember I was in a towel. I got out of the shower and she told me that I had changed. And I was different and I wasn't like a terrible person. And she screamed at me and I cried and I told her I thought she should move out of the apartment. And then she did. And I took the lease on by myself and it was really, really sad. But then once she moved into a new apartment, we became friends again and it was better. I think some people, it's just hard. I mean, I think I'm a difficult roommate, so I'm just like, I like things the way I like them and I'm a little bit of an organizational freak. Um, so 
I think some people are just better not being roommates, but that we're, I'm, I'm totally sidetracking now. So what would you do if you were this person? What would your advice be to them? So I don't know if this is particularly good advice, but you know, as the fact that we're all adults and we're all really busy, I would just let it drift. And I don't know that if, if, if you're finding that, that like you did say that you put some distance between you, what I would do is I would just make yourself busy and you're not ghosting her cause you're not canceling plans, but I would just get busier and busier and put more space in between you. And I don't know if that's really great advice, but that's probably the honest answer as to what I would do. Um, if, if you're feeling like you, you want a more direct approach, I do know a friend who took another friend and it's funny cause I'm friends with both of them out to coffee and told the other friend she didn't want to be friends with her anymore. So you could do it in person. Um, that feels really daunting and scary to me to like to break up with a, a friend. It feels daunting on both sides. I would feel nervous being the person who was taking somebody out to coffee to dump them. But I would also feel horrible if I was on the receiving end of it and somebody was very directly telling me that they didn't want to be my friend. And like, I'm terrible because I'm like, as an adult, I'm just learning not to ghost guys. And I have literally only broken up with somebody in a responsible way once, which was this summer. So like, maybe I'm not the person to be giving the advice here. Like I'm kind of a pussy. (laughs) (laughs) So I, I don't know that I would want, even if I were being a very bad friend, I think I would prefer that we just started to mutually fizzle out or, you know, even one-sidedly fizzle out rather than somebody sit me down and tell me how terrible I am. I agree. Um, So I don't know that I would go that route either. One thing that I think you could try with your friend is, is telling, inviting her out somewhere and telling her no work talk tonight. And maybe if you just take out that topic, which it sounds like she's really unhappy about and where she kind of gets really selfish and all me, 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 maybe you can, you know, find more solid ground to build your friendship on. Um, but if that's not the case, I mean, I think there are certain people, I agree with this person that there are certain people who aren't necessary, who are friends for a situation or friends for a time, but aren't lifelong friends. And I think that's okay too. So if the relationship doesn't work anymore, you know, you don't need to stay friends with her, but I don't know how I feel about bringing her on an official breakup. Yeah, it feels dramatic. And then, I mean, if you did it via email, then there's always that record. If if you do it on phone call, it's just as awkward. I would I would let it drift. But I do like Becca's advice to try and salvage it with the, like, let's not talk about work tonight and see what happens. So I don't feel like we've given this person the best advice. So if any of our listeners have broken up with a friend or been through something very similar. Let's put this in the Facebook group. Yeah, we'll put it in the Facebook group, but also email us and we can send your advice to this person over email too to help her out. I love that. Yeah. So our second uh, question is also about friendship, but in a bit of a different context. And I'm actually super interested to talk about this one. Do you want to read it, Grace? Yeah. So this one comes from Jordan over on Instagram. And she wrote, I've jumped into the world of self-employment, major hustle phase, and I'm struggling so badly with friendships. I feel like I'm drifting away from people I used to speak to daily, and it feels wrong and right all at the same time. Like it's just part of the cycle. Any advice on navigating friendships while creating a business and going through friendship life cycles? I'm really curious to hear your answer because you're self-employed. I can tell you, so I mentioned at the top of the episode that I'm 
um, thinking about taking on some consulting projects and I haven't done it yet. So I don't know what it'll actually be like in the thick of it. I know that one of my greatest fears about being self-employed is actually being really lonely. I like going to an office and talking to people every day. And I feel like if I'm working from home most of the time, it's going to be really isolating. So I think to me, it's maybe added incentive to keep up my friendships because I won't have that built-in social connection of going into an office every day. Um, But one thing that I found, even just through talking to people about uh, considering self-employment, is that I'm making a whole new group of friends of people who are friends of friends or I'm connected somehow to but I'm not close to that I've gone out to coffee or drinks or lunch with to talk about what it's like to be a freelancer and I think it's it's been really nice to find other women who are in the same situation and understand and and you know I think I've left every one of those saying you know let's make it a regular thing or like let's get a group together for breakfast like I think maybe Maybe it's that your friends that you are moving away from are not the right people to support you right now. And maybe there are other people who live near you who are also starting their own businesses or also in major hustle phase that can be your support network and can be, um, you know, the friends to get you through this period in your life. I think that's really solid advice. Um, I will say like there's, I kind of have two phases of life that I relate to really well with this. The first was while I was still at Bobble Bar. And when I was still at Bobble Bar, I really didn't have much of a social life outside of work and my blog because there just wasn't time. Like I was in the office for 10, 11 hours a day and then I was coming home and just and just writing. So my friends were really my coworkers and I didn't like have a lot of room, a lot of room for much else outside of that. But when... Um, when I left, it was like this whole new thing happened because I'm such an introvert. And so after being at, in an office all day, I would like go home and just want to be my, by myself. I didn't want to go to events. I didn't want to do things. But when I started working for myself, I became really motivated to get out of the house at night. So I started doing more stuff with my friends. And you really have to make an effort to see people, especially like I missed my I, like I missed Becca and our friend Jackie and our other friend Ilana so so much when I left like so that really pushed me to make sure that we saw each other like every couple weeks for dinner or drinks and I think you just have to make sure that you make a really big effort um but you will find like and Becca kind of identified this earlier you will be lonely if you're just home all day so I would do that I would look for other people who are kind of in the same boat and network a bunch and um it also helps this doesn't help with making friends and I really want it to I also secretly like hope that it helps my dating life, like going to Soho house and like working like from there once or twice a day. Or if you're not a member at Soho house, like join something like the wing or, um, there's so many like great co-working spaces or even just go to a coffee shop. I think it really helps in making new friends and like just networking a little bit and putting yourself out there. The other thing about this question that really struck a chord with me was where she talks about friendship life cycles. And I admittedly am not the best friend at keeping in touch. I'm bad too. So I'm kind of a, I I know this about myself that I can be kind of an out of sight, out of mind friend. So when I don't see somebody all the time, I can kind of drift away, but I, I have a lot of friends who I don't talk to regularly, but whenever I see them, so like my friend Lauren, for instance, who I'm seeing this week, who um, is 
in New York for work from San Francisco and was one of my friends from San Francisco. I don't talk to her every day, but when I do, you kind of just like fall right back into the groove where I think if you are really good friends with somebody with someone and maybe you are in major hustle phase, uh, you can kind of pick up right back where you left off when you're ready. So I don't know that it's a bad thing that you need some space and you need to put your attention somewhere else right now, because it sounds like you're doing something really cool. You're, you're getting ready to, you know, you're just in a phase of your life where friendship needs to take a back seat. Um, the other thing that's really interesting. So I think Grace and I, our friendship is, is in an interesting life cycle right now because we are both so busy and having started this podcast, it means that we have to see each other at least once a week to record. Uh, and oftentimes that leads to more. And so I just came over, uh, to Grace's apartment to record and, before we we were recording, she was telling me about the date that she's going on tonight. Sorry if you didn't want to talk about that. I have a hot date. So excited. I don't ever go on dates. So this is very, very exciting. So Not any- really. So anyway, she starts to tell me about this. And I was like, yeah, I know you already told me this the other day. I got it. Like, so, you know, I feel like we're, we've gone from being too busy of like, I need to cancel. Uh, when can we get together? Let's get together in three weeks to be like, I just saw you on Thursday. I know about your date. I can't wait to hear more about it, but like I'm caught up. So I think that like, you know, friendships just do go through different cycles of how often you can see each other based on schedules. But I think your good friends will understand. And, you know, also, you know, maybe you can make some new friends through your, whatever your endeavor is that you're hustling towards to, um, kind of be that built in support. Yeah. And I'll just build on that by saying, I really think the best friendships are the ones where you can like not see each other for a few months and like pick up, like nothing happened. I have like a bunch of friends who live back in Boston and I haven't seen them all in like forever, but if we talk, it's like nothing ever happened. Yeah, I agree. Should we move on to number three? Yes, let's go on to number three. Becca, would you like to read it? Yes. So this was another person who asked to be anonymous. I swear we're not making these up. Yeah. I feel like because I said on our first advice episode that we would be the people who would make up questions if there weren't any, now I feel like my behavior is suspect, but I swear that these aren't made up. They're just people who didn't want us to say their name or handle. So this person asked, can you discuss talking to friends about what they make? And I think she means salary wise. I know we're all educated women, but there are still things we can't talk about slash ask. And I, I'm just going to put this out there. I'm not sure how this person meant this. If she's implying that it is rude to talk about salaries or if she's saying that we should be able to ask and she's frustrated. So I do not know if this person is going to like or hate our advice, but it's going to be one of them. And we're both very firmly on the same page here. Yeah. I think you should tell your friends your salary. I totally agree, especially, and this also goes for bloggers. Like we, like my close, and I'm not saying you should broadcast this information across the interwebs, but my close blog friends and I regularly sit down and like, oh, what are you charging for sponsored posts? What are you charging for this? Because how else are you going to know what the norm is? And I think that women, you know, in the workplace are so underpaid. And I think that it's so important to have these conversations to understand like what other people are earning and like what you should be earning. I agree. I think that not talking about it sets you up and by de facto sets your friends up to potentially be taken advantage of because 
when you're in a salary negotiation, even the best bosses aren't necessarily going to go above and beyond to give you more money than you ask for or to give you an excessively rich raise if you're not coming to them with with ammo to tell them why you should make more money. And I think knowing if you are underpaid in your field is is one way to, you know, counter that and to have the confidence to say, no, I'm making less money than I should. I totally agree. And I think also for you, Becca, as you like move into the freelance world, like it's so important to have these other conversations with other women so that you know, like what the norm is and like what, and you're getting your worth. Yeah. And I think also, I know that I have some friends who are in fields that don't pay as well. So for instance, I have a friend who's a scientist and academia is like notoriously underpaid. He's the most educated friend I have who also makes the least money. That's and I, like my little sister, same. She's so, she has a PhD. Yeah. And I think by, since I know how much money he makes in his salary, it's never weird if he, you know, says, I don't want to spend a lot of money tonight, or I don't want to, you know, split the bill evenly because I had, I only had one drink or something. I think if you, if everyone in your life is, is like, if you're being upfront about it, it also makes those situations less awkward. So I'm not thinking that he, you know, doesn't want to hang out with me because he doesn't want to go out or, or whatever. So I think all around, like only good things can happen. You know what? I don't know if this person is saying that you shouldn't ask because it's, it's, rude. it's rude and like, don't ask strangers. Like I have strangers ask me what I make from my blog sure. and I find that appalling. Sure. No, but I you would... don't ask a stranger their salary. Your close friends share. Yeah, I agree. I, I feel like with most of my close friends, I've had a conversation similar to this and especially, you know, maybe not all the time. Maybe it's not just a casual dinner topic of like, Hey, let's go around the table and say how much everyone's making. But especially like, that would be awkward, but let's you know, say grace and then compare salaries. <laughs> yeah. But especially if you're starting a new job or, you know, getting ready to ask for a raise, I think talking to the people who you're closest to and asking them how much they're making and, you know, how they've thought about, you know, getting to where they are or how they've approached these situations is only going to be beneficial to you. I wholeheartedly agree. Yeah. So I don't know if that made you happy or made you angry, but that's what we think. That's what we think. Yes. So then we have Jillian on email and she writes something I can very much relate to as an older millennial born in 1986. Me too, Jillian. Which I don't think you're an older millennial. I think you guys are young millennials because I'm technically a millennial and I'm born in 81. Yeah, but I think... So I'm a geriatric millennial. But I think millennials go all the way to people born in like the year 2000 maybe. Oh, really? So 18-year-olds are millennials? I don't know. I might be making this up. I'm going to Google it while you finish the question. Well, I'm technically a zennial, which is a hybrid of Gen X and millennial, which is a very millennial thing to say. Yeah, so millennials, I just... Googled this and Wikipedia says typically use the early 80s as the starting birth years in the mid 1990s to early 2000s as the ending birth years. So somebody born okay. in 1986 versus somebody who's, 
born in 2000 and is 18 is a very Yeah, different. yeah, yeah. Okay, that, that makes sense. So you are an older millennial, Jillian. We agree. Um, she writes, I find myself struggling with wanting to engage on social media, but also wanting to chuck my phone out the window. Do you struggle with this? And how do you find balance? I think we're going to have very different points of view on this because I know because of your blog and because of, you know, being an internet person, you probably have a much different relationship with social media, but I can speak as a pretty regular person where I feel this way all the time, Jillian. I, especially since starting the podcast, I feel like an odd pressure that I'm only putting on myself that I should have an Instagram and I should engage more with social media and I should be out there. Um, and it doesn't come super naturally to me. So I definitely feel wanting to engage more, but it's so distracting. So for instance, last night, um, I was sitting, I was at home, I was reading and my phone kept going off with various alerts on Facebook or a news alert or an Instagram post or something. And it's really distracting. And I ended up flipping my phone over. I didn't turn it off, but the sound was off and I just flipped it over because I kept stopping what I was reading and looking at my phone. And it was just, it's distracting and it, it makes reading or doing any kind of focused activity so much harder. I also feel like my, my, I don't know if you feel this way, but I feel like the more social media, the more social media becomes prevalent, my attention span is getting shorter and shorter and shorter. It's really bad. And I think that as an antidote, that's why I meditate. That's why I go to yoga because my, I can't pay attention to anything and it's really bad. You know, though, like, I don't feel like I, I feel like it's hard for me to watch a movie. It's hard for me to sit down for two hours and commit to watching a movie. Like unless I'm in the theater at home, I will look at my phone and it's terrible. That's why I like reading so much because I will, I, I'll look at the book and not be distracted. Like even watching Handmaid's Tale last night, I was reaching for my phone. Yeah, but I find I prefer TV because it's quicker than a True. movie, which is sad, which is... Uh, it, True. Uh, yeah. It like, feels like a commitment. Two yeah. hours. Whereas with TV, I also I'll watch four episodes of one show and that's way longer than a movie. Yeah, but I agree with you. I feel like it's distracting. I feel like my attention span's getting shorter and I feel like I do want to throw my phone out the window sometimes. I don't know how I find balance. I think you know, being conscious of it. And I know Grace has said this in a past episode, taking phone breaks and putting your phone on airplane mode or turning off notifications is really helpful. Or even just, you know, last night, what I did when I was reading is I just flipped my phone over on my coffee table and just didn't look at it um, until I wanted to on my own terms. But I think you just have to be more conscious. There's, oh, this is not advice I have taken. So I don't know, do what you will with this. I downloaded this app for a hot minute. It's called Moment. Have you heard of it? No. So it's this app that monitors your phone usage Mm. and tells you how long you're on your phone. And I downloaded it and I probably had it for two weeks and it was stressing me out because it had a color that it, it gave you basically like a grade on each day. So it would be red if you were on your phone too much. And it was really stressing me out that it was judging me. So I ended up just deleting it. But if you want to actually quantify how much you're on your phone, um, I think there's moment. And I think there's a few other similar apps that you could try, uh, that will help you actually see what your patterns are, but it's terrifying. I was on my phone upwards of four hours a day, which is crazy. Oh, I'm sure mine would be even higher than that. Yeah. It's bad. So it really drives me crazy when 
I complain about social media use and people say, it's your job. Um, because I don't consider it my job. My job is writing my blog and creating content there. I look at social media as kind of an accessory. Of course, it helps promote it and what have you. But I um, I give myself a lot of breaks. I, um, I really didn't have a problem with social media, honestly, until the DMs started. And I know I complain about DMs constantly, so sorry if I'm a broken record. But I find them to be really invasive. Like, for my blog, I probably get upwards of 200 a day. And it's very, very overwhelming because there's no way to sort them or organize them. If you look at something and you don't reply immediately, it's going to get lost. So I'm constantly telling people, like, send me an email if you have a question. And people don't always listen, which is, it's, I understand it's much easier to send a DM than it is to send an email, but... um, By the way, just to interrupt you, if you ever want to send us an email, because I know a few people have DM'd us saying they can't find our email address, and I don't mind DM, so I'll talk to you on DM. Yeah, it's usually Becca that's talking to you on the young adulting DM. (laughs) So I'll DM with you, but... Uh, if you do want to email us, we're youngadultingpod at gmail.com. So if you have a question, especially for Grace, email us. Yes, we love email. Anyway, back um, to DMs. Yeah, so not to keep beating a dead horse, but DMs have kind of ruined social media to me just because I feel like a lot of people treat bloggers and influencers or like anyone kind of like Siri. Like I get DMs saying, what's the weather like in Brooklyn this week? I'm planning a trip. Like that's great, but maybe you should look at Google first. I don't know. So how do you find balance? What do you do? Um, well, when I went to Cartagena, I deliberately didn't answer any DMs, and it was really freeing because I felt like I wasn't chained to my phone. Um, and I try and take breaks. On the weekends, I try not to look at the DMs folder. Like, I don't mind organically sharing what I'm doing. I think it's fun. Like, I just filmed, like, an eyebrow tutorial this morning. Um, it's fun. Like, it's what I'm actually doing, and I, I enjoy it. It's the the constant influx of of questions and feeling like you're literally chained to your phone like in the mornings I get up early and I generally have to spend a a full hour just responding to the dms that came in overnight and that's crazy so do you find that blocking off hours when you respond helps and like having on hours and off hours yeah that definitely helps so just like giving yourself breaks but then also giving yourself dedicated time and like being like this is when I'm going to do that so I generally like to respond in the mornings when um, my day is just getting started, I have my mug of coffee, maybe I've already been to the gym, and I'll sit down and I'll, I'll respond. But I think that you have to be really mindful about it and just, um, like, don't let yourself feel like you're chained to your phone because that's really toxic. Yeah, I mean, social media should be additive. You should feel good about the time you spend on social media or else you shouldn't be doing it. Exactly. So, I mean, I love scrolling through Instagram. So there are times I find it relaxing or I find it really interesting to to keep up with people I know and people I don't know, but I follow. Um, But if you're finding that you're not getting anything out of it, I think... Take a break. Take a break. That's the time to be more conscious of like, only do it if it brings you joy. I also took Facebook off my phone because I don't really need Facebook for my blog. Like I schedule a a morning post every day with what is going to be on the blog, but... I found that that really helps because Facebook is like this whole comparison game and it's also really easy to stalk people. Mm-hmm. So I just took it off my phone and I feel like that made me a lot happier. Oh, good. But yeah. Jillian, we feel you. Yes, we feel you're you not time. alone. Yeah, it's exhausting. Should we wrap up and talk about our obsessions? Yes, let's do it. Becca, what are you obsessed with? Okay. 
So this isn't something new, but I only just realized that I was obsessed with it. I love what you're about to talk about. So it's the Bite Agave Lip Mask um, from Bite Cosmetics. And I have been using this for, I don't know, probably a couple of years. My friend Lauren recommended it. And um, I was pretty religious about it. But probably about a month ago, I was standing in line at CVS and they had this cucumber mint Burt's Bees chapstick. And I thought that that sounded really interesting. I thought it sounded really good. So I bought it and I started using that instead. And I don't know, you know how they say that using chapstick all the time actually is addictive and gives you chapped lips? Yeah. I think that happened to me. I agree. And so I, last week was like, I felt like I had this like gross white, dry, cracked, like I looked like I was like foaming at the mouth. <laughs> and I, you didn't, but that's hilarious. But I decided that it was the Burt's Bees chapstick. And so I went back to the Bite Agave lip mask that I had been using previously before I like had this random CVS impulse buy situation and it immediately went away. So I am newly re-obsessed with the Bite Agave Lip Mask and can't recommend it highly enough. I think you're... I also will caveat this to say that I have no idea how you're supposed to use it. I just use it as chapstick. I don't know I if it's... I use it as chapstick. Yeah, too. I don't know if it's a mask and you're supposed to like wipe it off. I don't. I've been using it for a year and I haven't died. So I feel really confident that like that's okay too. Yeah, I think it's just extra thick. Um, I generally think lip masks you can use like a lip balm. Yeah. They're just extra nourishing. When we finish recording Becca you have to try Noonie N-O-O-N-I they have an apple butter lip mask which it was just sent to me for my blog but it is amazing and I'm obsessed with it and I like it even more than the bite one okay I'll try it yeah what are you obsessed with my obsession right now is Marion Park shoes so um, Marion Park is a designer and she makes really beautiful high-end shoes. The shoes are like between like four and $600. So they're, they're definitely more expensive, but the styles are all really classic and they're like very, very well made. Um, I first became familiar with her shoes on the Hampton clothing Instagram. Um, and her whole thing is she uses like a lot of technology to make shoes that are beautiful, but also super comfortable. Oh yeah. So do you remember those? Like, this is not a good example, but do you remember how Cole Haan used to use like Nike Air technology? I had a pair of those and did not actually think they were that comfortable. Oh, I had a pair that I could literally run in. Oh. Like you probably shouldn't run in your heels, but I could and they were amazing. So that's kind of what I feel like with these two pair. I have two pairs of her shoes and they are wonderful and they're so cute. Oh, that's amazing. I feel like I almost never wear heels in New York because I do so much walking that unless I'm going like from, from my front door to a cab to wherever I'm going, I never wear heels. So I have have a few, I have a few comfortable ones, the Manolo Blahnik BB heels, but like in the more sensible height, those are really good. Mm -hmm. Um, and then J crew factory has these wedge pumps, which I have in three colors. Um, if you follow my personal Instagram, you know this because I talk about them all the time and they're only like $60, Ooh. but they're like great. Cause you can like beat them up. And if you ruin them, like just get another pair. I really like that block heels are fashionable now because oh my God, same. they're so much more comfortable. So I do have a few pairs of like really chunky heels mm-hmm. that I can. That's where Lothar Randall in. comes in. Like mm-hmm. they have the best block heels. Yeah. What about the Instagram account that you're obsessed with? 
So mine is Who, What, Wit, W-H-I-T. And he's the editor-in-chief at El Decor, and he is just fabulous. So he's always somewhere cool. He's always going somewhere amazing. You might know, like, from listening to what I talk about every week, I'm obsessed with travel Instagrammers and, like, kind of experiencing wanderlust through their eyes. But he also has a really cool collection of hats, and he just, like, I really want to be friends with him, and I... Like, hate how I some like kind of would like Orlando Soria, who you guys, I should have said my hi, is he followed me back on Instagram and like we're plotting our wedding. I like, can't wait to be his friend in law. Yeah. So that was really exciting when my internet obsession became my friend. Um, but I'm also obsessed with this man, who, what, wit, and I want to be friends with him because he seems really cool. Well, so far, one for one on making the people you are basically Instagram stalking into friends. So, like, he's next. I'm Watch feeling, out. I'm feeling pretty good. I'm, I'm, I'm a friend creep. Great. Yeah. What about you, Becca? So, mine is this artist. I can't her, even read what this is. I know. I'll, I'll spell it for you. So, mine is this artist. Her name is Kinda Khalidi. So, it's K-I-N-D-A-H-K-H-A-L-I-D-Y. So... It's this artist, and she makes these uh, oh. very colorful, um, like, cutout style works. And she has a uh, gallery show in San Francisco right now that looks fucking amazing. Her stuff looks really cool. I just followed her. I know. I, I really, I have no idea how much it costs, I assume, because she has a gallery show. It means it's expensive. But um, I really want to find out. I really want to get a piece of her art, but it's just all very happy, colorful. It's beautiful. It kind of reminds me of, I'm obsessed with a Tomi, the Mexican um, embroidery craft work. It like is similar to that. And then it's like, there's a lot of shapes and colors and it's really beautiful. Um, But I have just been loving following her and it's made me, um, it's made me really Jones for one of her originals. So Yeah, her stuff is beautiful. I recommend following. So last but not least, Grace, what are you reading other than our book for next week? So I'm still finishing up the Royals series, which we talked about last week. And if you missed last week's episode, the Royals is this very, very trashy series of three books. If you missed the selection, pick up the Royals. But it's like... It's kind of teen porn. It's kind of teen porn. There's a lot of sex. Um, and it's really like, it's also like terribly written. And so Becca said this thing to me where she's like, I kind of picture the characters of Jersey Shore when I, I do. read it. And now I do too. It's really addictive trash. It's it's total trash. Like I'm I'm so embarrassed for myself that I haven't read anything intelligent this week because I've been A, working on the book or the books we're reading for this, but also reading this terrible series. Well, you're almost through it, and then you'll have to find something really smart to read. Do you have something lined up? Oh, I do. What's next? Educated. Oh, okay. Yeah. My friend, I'm going to talk about it in our next episode, so I don't want to talk too much, but I'm really excited to read it. Okay. So you have something smart on the docket. Yes. So I have been reading, I'm about halfway through The Summer of Jordi Perez, which is a young adult book. I have that, and I can't wait to read it. Yeah, it's a young adult book, and I thought it was so interesting because the main character is is gay, and she is also plus-sized, and she has a plus-size fashion blog, and, you know, she's the heroine of this. And so it's, you know, definitely a really inclusive um, young adult title as opposed to, I feel like so many young adult heroines are... um, 
you know, these skinny white girls, well, skinny white girls, but also girls who didn't know that they were pretty or, you know, it's like all she's all that where it's it's like this girl who's wearing glasses, but is actually gorgeous and then gets the guy. Yeah. They're all the same. So I, I picked it up after hearing, I heard the author actually on uh, forever 35 talking about her book and, um, I'm really enjoying it so far. It's like a really light read, but you know, it definitely feels, um, more inclusive and, you know, positive than a lot of, um, YA books. Like definitely to read that. (laughs) Definitely not feeling guilty about this one the same way as I felt when I was reading paper princess. Oh God. So highly recommend so far. Awesome. So if you are reading along with us in our book club, um, next week we're discussing the Royal we, which is, I think it's oh, one of my top three books. It's ever. one of my favorite books of all time. And um, we're, we're reading it special. It's not actually YA, but we're reading it for the Royal Wedding. Uh, it is basically Kate Middleton and Her- and uh, Prince William fan fiction. Yep. Uh, it's so good. So um, d- highly recommend. You will love it. Um, it's just like a light, quick, fun read. Um, so join us next week when we talk about that. But in the meantime, uh, if you want to support us, please leave us a review on iTunes. It helps so much. I sound really desperate because I am so desperate, but we're giving you free entertainment. We don't make any money from this and we just, well, we made $6. We made $6, but, we I, bought, but we, I spent $30 on cheese like two episodes ago. So yeah, it's, we're spending more than we're making at yeah. this point. But please leave us a review on iTunes. It really helps people to find us, and it helps with our rankings. Yes. Um, So please do that if you haven't already. If you have, we love you forever, and sorry to keep pestering you. And tell your friends. Tell your friends. And if you want more young adulting in your life, um, come join our Facebook group, which I feel like is is really taking off. It's a bad influence, though, because all I do is buy books that were recommended in the Facebook group. There's so many good book recommendations in it. So it's um, just search for on Facebook for young adulting podcast and you'll find the group, not the page, just the group. Um, or follow us on Instagram. We're at young adulting pod and grace doesn't want to DM with you, but I'll DM with you. And, um, I like email though. So email us at young at gmail.com. Oh, and while we're overloading you with things to do for us, yes, this is like our greedy last five minutes, like yeah. last two minute plea. Um, go to our website, youngadultingpod.com and sign up for our newsletter. We just sent out our first newsletter a couple of weeks ago. We'll send our next one at the end of May. Um, and we recap all of the books we talk about on the podcast, all of the products we're obsessed with, um, and some bonus content too. So definitely make sure you're, you're in the loop for our next newsletter. Yeah, so I think I think that does it. Oh, the other thing you can do, since we're still being greedy, <laughs> is take a picture and put it on your Instagram story. That really helps. That it makes such help. a huge difference. Anytime we do that, we see a lot of new followers, and it, yeah. it really helps. So you have your homework, and we'll see you next week to talk about the Royal We. Bye, guys. Bye. 